Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Over Easy. My name is Manny in case you are new here or welcome back. I hope you had a great week. I am just going to start off this episode by saying if you're watching the video, I'm having such horrible breakouts this week because of my period. I sometimes, I have like varying period symptoms. One of them is cystic acne and I've just popped off everywhere this week it's not great so let's ignore that I honestly didn't want to film uh, it was one thing that was stopping me but then I was like you know what it's normal who cares it's okay so I'm just gonna start off with that I don't feel the best confidence wise but it's okay acne is normal and acne is totally fine anyways Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great week. We'll do our little checkup at the end of the episode as I've kind of switched things up now, but I'm so excited for today's episode because I love episodes that are based on content that I consume because to be honest, I find it sometimes really, really hard to just come up with an episode and develop all of the content on my own. And it's nice to have a little backbone. Of course, I'm not just copying the content, but have a backbone of content to go off of and then kind of add my own twist on it and my own experiences and my opinions and also just like my thoughts while consuming the content. I really think this is also super important because a lot of times now, we can all be so mindless when we consume content. I've said content so many times. Whether that's just like mindlessly scrolling on your phone through TikTok or Instagram, or I feel like just a lot of times I'll be on my phone and watching things or looking at things, but I'm not fully in it. But having these content episodes where I talk about books I'm reading or TikToks I've seen really, really help me to be mindful about the content that I'm consuming and also be mindful about the reflections that I'm going through and the opinions that I have and the thoughts and stuff like that. So I am excited for this episode because it is based off this new book that I'm reading. It is called The Eight Rules of Love by Jay Shetty. I am only about a third of the way through. I have read three out of eight rules. So 37.5%, not to get specific. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to talk about the first rule in this book and kind of just what I've been thinking about it because I really, really like this book so far and I've been really enjoying the rules. Basically, what the book is about is it's the eight rules of love. So how to find it, keep it, and let it go. So it basically is going through the different things and the different philosophies of getting ready for a love. So while you're single, what you can do to get ready for it, how to be in a healthy relationship and have a healthy love, what that looks like, what behaviors look like, and how you can be a better partner. And then I assume at the end, it's going to be about letting go, breaking up if that happens, and what you can do to help yourself there. So I'm really excited to finish this book. And I've been really enjoying it. And let's talk about today's episode, which is going to be finding yourself before a relationship. So I feel like this is so important to find yourself Find who you are and be a person before you enter a relationship. I have a, not a lot of friends, but I just know a lot of friends who bounce between relationships all the time. They're like serial daters. And I think it can be really hard on yourself because, first of all, when you get into a relationship when you're so young, you don't really fully know who you are yet. Like when I think back to my very first relationship when I was a senior in high school, I didn't really know who I was. I didn't feel like I was authentically me. I didn't feel like I was who 
I am fully. I definitely had bits and parts and I was slowly developing into my identity and developing my values and stuff like that. But a lot of things that I thought were me were kind of just what I saw on social media or what was trending at the time. And I kind of just fellow, fellow followed along with it. I cannot speak. But that's why I think it's so important because if you are constantly serial dating and just being in relationships back to back to back, you don't really get a point in life where you're single and figure out who you are, your identity, your values, your characteristics fully without the presence and effect of someone else. Because even when you fully know who you are to the core, being in a relationship, you will kind of take on different personalities or identities of your partner as well as your friends and people around you. And sometimes we can just kind of get lost in that. I could definitely feel that in my last relationship, my most recent one. I feel like I had a good sense of who I was, kind of. I was also really young when I got into that relationship. I'm, I'm still young now, but you know what I mean. I just feel like as I got more comfortable with my most recent ex, I started taking on his behaviors, his values, his beliefs. And it wasn't that I didn't believe in them, but they just weren't things that would have been super important to me. Like I had only taken them on because they were my partners. And when I got out of that relationship, I feel like I realized a lot of parts of me that weren't really authentically me. And I was just kind of acting like that to please my partner, I guess you could say, which obviously is not ideal. But anyways, I think it is just very important. I think it's good to have a period of singleness. And I'm trying to tell myself that because I feel like I haven't really taken that very seriously after this recent relationship. Like I feel like right now is a very critical time. Like I'm a little bit older now. I'm 23. I'm not like I was last time I was single. I was barely an adult. I was 19. I'm 23 now. I am a real adult, I guess you could say. Trying to figure out work. Oh, and I'm out of school. So trying to figure out work, my life, what I want to do. It's a little bit more important now, I guess you could say. Anyways, I'm kind of rambling, but all that is to say we're going to talk about being alone and finding yourself before getting into a relationship and why that is important and how you can do that. So this is based off of the first chapter in the book that I am referencing, which is the Eight Rules of Love. And the first rule is to let yourself be alone. So let yourself be alone. Not only does this mean not around other people, so not constantly hanging out with people or just being with people for the sake of it, but also when you're alone by yourself, spending intentional quality time with yourself. Because it's really easy to be alone and just be distracted. You can go on TikTok, you can be on Instagram, all this kind of stuff, but that's not really being alone. You're still consuming media of other people. You're also not really left alone with your own thoughts in those situations. And I think that is what is most important with being alone is being alone with your thoughts and your mind. I'm going to be honest, I haven't been that great at this recently. I've actually been thinking about that as I've been reading this book is I actually feel like I haven't been alone much recently and I'm trying to change that, especially with fall and the colder months coming along and being inside more. I think it was so easy to be 
out all the time in the summer, hiking with friends, doing things, having so much energy to go out all the time. And now that it's become fall and my energy has definitely dwindled down a little bit, I want to spend more quality, intentional time with myself because I feel like I really actually haven't done that since my most recent breakup earlier this year. And I really think I want to just focus on myself and what I want out of the next year of my life in this period. I want to kind of think about that and be intentional with that. But anyways, if you are struggling with being alone, let me ask you, first thing is, how often are you alone intentionally? And so let's think about our week breakdown. So for example, for me, when I thought about my week breakdown, which was one of the activities in this book, I realized that I wasn't alone very often. So on the weekdays, I work 8.30 to 5 at a full-time job, and I'm always constantly talking to people there. It's not like a work-from-home job where I'm kind of just with by myself all day, but I am customer-facing. I'm talking to customers every day, talking to other people of other businesses and stuff like that. So I am constantly talking to people all the time, every single day in my job. And it can be exhausting at times, and it can be definitely, it can be both ends. It can be exhausting, and it, it can also give me a lot of energy, but for work, for me, which is a bulk majority of where I spend my week, I am never alone. Then I think about, well, after work, I go to a workout class. And workout class, I do with other people. And I do have a small community there. It's not like we're besties of sorts, but we are uh, amicable, I guess you could say. I would say my workout is probably one of the places that I spend time alone because when you're actually working out, it's not like you can be talking to people. And I kind of like to zone out in my workouts and just focus on what I'm doing with myself rather than chit-chatting with the other people in the class. So I guess for me, working out is kind of an alone time, but I do do it in a group setting. Then after workouts, I come home, eat dinner with my family, and then I pretty much go to bed. So that's not much alone time. I just thought though, in the morning, I do spend intentional alone time, which is developing a really good morning routine. That is one thing I have always done since I was like in elementary school, honestly, because I have always been a morning person and I love waking up early and no one else in my family does. So I've always grown up with that morning routine being my main source of alone time in the day, every single day. I love it because it gives me a calm sense of peace before I start my chaotic work day or chaotic school day, whatever it may be. And also it's, it's very soothing because I do the same things every morning. Like it's very predictable. I will get up, read, journal, do my makeup, eat breakfast, all this kind of stuff. I've talked about it a lot of times in detail, so I'm not going to go over it too much, but I did just remember that. I do spend my mornings by myself and I love my mornings by myself. But anyways, when I think about my weekends, recently I've been spending a lot more of my weekend time by myself. So I remember last year before the summer, I would say, when I was living alone, I was actually alone quite a lot on the weekends. Like there were some weekends where I didn't see people at all. I saw my boyfriend at the time, but that was it. But recently, since the summer and now in the fall, because I've started playing badminton, I 
just see people a lot. Our, my friends and I are much more intentional with the quality time we spend together. We'll go out and do activities, which I'll talk about what I'm doing tonight. I'm so excited, but that's a, that's a personal thing. We'll talk about it later. We'll do activities together. We'll plan like quality activities for us to do together. And we'll see each other quite often. I actually quite see my friends like every single weekend pretty much. And then I also play badminton. So that's always seeing a bunch of people and that takes up a good chunk of my day. So I feel like I'm not alone a lot. You can kind of see why I've been feeling like I'm not alone a lot because I really am not. And I used to, I think about when I first was single right in the spring. I spent a lot of time by myself and I challenged myself to do a lot of things alone, which I was not comfortable with. For example, I did pottery that I did alone. I went bouldering and all this kind of biking. I did a lot more of that by myself and I was much more intentional. Recently, I have not been. So now my next question, after you've thought about your week breakdown and how much time you spend alone, my second question is, why aren't you doing things alone? And that could be for a multitude of reasons. I think the biggest one is fear. Fear of judgment, for sure. We fear that people are going to look at us weirdly. We fear that people are going to judge us for not having friends with us, for looking like a loner. And we also fear that other people will look down on us, I guess, will look silly. I think one thing is we are so much more afraid of looking like a beginner when we're by ourselves rather than when we are with people. For example, when we are trying new things, like it makes me much more nervous to go bouldering by myself because I know I'm not as good. But when I'm with my friends, I can be silly and laugh about it. But when I'm by myself, I'm like, oh shoot, I think people are going to judge me. People are going to look at me weirdly or think I'm bad at bouldering, stuff like that. Other reasons why you might not be doing things alone might be that you are uncomfortable. Maybe you're just not used to it. I definitely feel like that was the case when I first got into university because growing up in life all throughout high school, I was always doing things with other people, eating lunch, going to class. When I had spare, I would be hanging out with my friends and going out to eat and all this stuff. I never really had alone time when I was in high school. But that was such a big flip when I went to university because all my friends and I, we had different schedules and different classes that I found myself having to eat lunch by myself a lot on campus. And I found that that was so odd. I kind of wanted to eat in a corner so that people didn't look at me or I just like would put on my headphones and not look at other people because I didn't want them to see me eating by myself lucky to say I've grown out of that and I do love eating alone intentionally and also looking at my phone while eating too but that's another thing and the last reason is you might not just have time I feel like that's my reason recently I don't have time or I'm not intentionally making time for things by myself and I feel like now that I've read this book and kind of thought about it for a long time I definitely want to be making more time to do things by myself I will say I've been so naughty recently. I've been on my phone way too much and I know that if I just scheduled more things to do by myself throughout the day, I would not be in my room scrolling on TikTok all the time. So sometimes it's not about lack of time, but more so lack of scheduling the time. Because if I don't schedule anything in my day, my automatic instinct is to just lay in my bed, go read, which is 
good but also go on tiktok a lot which is not good but i feel like if i schedule things to do by myself then at least i'll be occupied with different activities so now that we've thought about how often we are alone i'm going to challenge you to do some things alone that can be a lot of different things of course i can't even list them all but a few easy ones eating a meal, trying out new hobbies. For me, that was pottery or um, bouldering or biking or reading. I also did a few coding classes by myself. I travel, that's a big one. It doesn't even have to be like a huge trip. It can be a small trip where you just drive there away for the weekend or something like that. Honestly, When I started doing things alone, it also started with going thrifting at the thrift store and then it would go into just going to the mall by myself. Just be careful though that you're not like just spending money to kind of fill that hole of aloneness. It's kind of more like intentional. I kind of think it's like the mindset that you go into it with. It's not just... I'm going out to spend money on reckless things that I just want to buy. But it's more so like you're being thoughtful of what you want to buy and trying things on, spending time by yourself. So why do we want to do things alone now that we've thought about it? There was this great quote that I found in the book. Let me just flip to it right now. By the way, you should definitely read this book in case I haven't said enough. So they shared this study that was done about doing things alone that I thought was so interesting. So let me read to you directly from the book. In one study, researchers gave more than 500 visitors to an art museum a special glove that reported their movement patterns along with physiological data such as their heart rates. The data showed that when people were not distracted by chatting with companions, they actually had a stronger emotional response to the art. As the researchers wrote, those who were alone were able to enter the exhibition with all of their senses open and alert to a greater degree. The participants also filled out a survey before and after their visit. Ultimately, those who came to the exhibition with the group reported their experience as less thought-provoking and emotionally stimulating than those who went alone. Of course, there's nothing wrong with chatting and letting the art slide past, but think of the inspiration those museum visitors missed out on. Then apply that to life in general. When we surround ourselves with other people, we're not just missing out on the finer details of an art exhibition. We're missing out on the chance to reflect and understand ourselves better. I loved this study and just thinking about it because I can definitely feel that firsthand. When I go to a museum with a friend, I'm not just focused on the art, but I'm also focused on trying to make their experience as positive as possible. So I'm like, if I want to look at an art, then I'll immediately start thinking, oh my god, what if this person doesn't think this art is good and they want to move on to the next exhibit? Like, maybe I shouldn't stand here that long. Maybe, like, we should check in and see if they like this part of the museum even. Like, I just, my thoughts are just so full when I'm with someone at a museum or an art exhibit. But that's the reason why I love going by myself is because I can choose where I want to go. And also I can, like, let the art or let the exhibit, let myself fully enjoy it because I'm the only one there and I don't have to think about a million other things while I'm at the museum. It is just great. People alone are more present and grounded in their senses and I think that is so important because 
you don't want to just let life pass you by as you are a bystander. I feel like when you are grounded in your senses and aware of yourself, your behaviors, your actions, it's much more fulfilling to live life. So I want to talk briefly about my solo travel experiences because I feel like that really awakened me to spending time alone because growing up or going through university actually, I did get pretty comfortable doing things alone. I started going to the gym. I would just be by myself a lot because again in university I had very different schedules from my friends but it was still quite comfortable for me because I was in Vancouver and I have grown up here my entire life you know I know the streets I know what restaurants are where I, I just know Vancouver very well I feel like but when I went for my solo trips last year after university I feel like that was very challenging for me and definitely opened my eyes up to being alone in a whole new way. I have made episodes about my trips before, so I'm not going to talk about like what I did on them, but I will just talk about what I felt because that is definitely, I think, the most important part. My first trip alone was going to Washington, D.C., and I was so super nervous before that trip. Even though I actually have a friend who lives in Washington, I was going to visit her, but I still consider it a solo trip because for the rest of the week, I only saw her on the first day. For the rest of the week, I was by myself and doing things all by myself, which was really crazy to me. I was so nervous because obviously safety-wise, I wasn't sure I didn't know where I was going and I was by myself as a woman it can be very scary I was definitely nervous about that but the other thing that I was nervous about was more so like what I was going to do because I had general plans you know to go to the tourist attractions and the Washington Monument and all that kind of stuff but it kind of made me nervous to spend so much time by myself because looking at all these monuments and stuff like that it I didn't know was I gonna talk to people how was I gonna feel about them I was like I'm just gonna be looking at things by myself and actually my Washington trip is probably the perfect real life example for me of that museum study that I just talked about from the book because I feel like I was so in tune with my emotions and how I was feeling. I was having very intense reactions to not just the monuments but I also went to the natural, what was it called? The Smithsonian Museum of Natural History and I went to that one and it was just so much fun going by myself because again I didn't have to worry about how other people were feeling going through the exhibits if I was going with a friend I could spend more time at the exhibits that I wanted to and then leave quicker if I didn't like the certain exhibit I love the natural history museum because I love natural history I love nature I love animals and watching and looking at them and looking at their skeletons and stuff like that I was like this is the coolest thing ever I felt so present and amazed by the exhibits and I've definitely can say I've never really felt like that when I go to other museums. Another example I'm thinking of is I contrast my experience at the Smithsonian Natural History Museum with the time I went to the Met. I 
think, or the MoMA in New York with my friends. I was on a trip with my friends to New York. It was our first time going ever since being older. And I, we went to the museum together and I think we were just more so distracted by each other's presence. Like I didn't really fully take in being at the museum. I also actually went to a museum when I went to New York last year by myself. I went to the Met by myself and it was so much fun. I love just looking at art, reflecting about it, thinking about how I feel about it, what it reminds me of, what I think things look like, if it's kind of abstract. It just makes me very, very grounded in where I am at currently and how I'm feeling, what I'm noticing about myself and my surroundings. All in all, my experience traveling alone, I have learned so much about myself. Definitely not just being present with my senses, see, hear, smell, touch, taste, but I think it taught me a lot to go on solo trips by myself. I learned that I was so capable. I feel like nowadays a lot of us are trained through learned helplessness which if you don't know what that is I can give you an example one classic example that's always shared is uh, circus or ringleaders they will have elephants for their circus and so when the elephants are a baby the ringleaders will tie them with rope like a leash to a stick so that they can't run around and roam free they're just tied to the stick and when they're young the elephants are not strong enough to break the rope so they are just by the stick all the time because they're tied there but even as elephants get older and they're still tied to the stick once an elephant is like an adult it's huge it's so strong but even though the adult elephants are tied up to the stick they still don't roam free And that's because they've grown up their whole life being tied to this rope that that is all they know and that is all they know they're capable of. They don't know that they're capable of breaking the rope because they've never gotten to try it. And I feel like nowadays we are so used to that learned helplessness in our everyday lives. We are so used to being in the confines of school, work, everyday life, whatever that may be, that we don't even consider the possible opportunities that are out there. Like for me, I never thought even if it was possible that I could travel alone and do things alone and also just figure things out. I definitely feel like I became a much stronger problem solver as I was just thrown into these situations and having to figure things out for myself. And also I learned that I'm quite independent and assertive. If I want to eat dinner somewhere, I'll go and eat there. I don't need to wait for someone or wait for someone's approval for that. If I want to go to the museum instead of doing my original plans for the day, that's what I did. When I was in Austin, I ended up going to the same ice cream shop like I think three or four times over the span of my trip because I wanted to and because I thought it was fun and good and delicious. But I know that if I was traveling with someone else to Austin, I probably wouldn't have done that because I would have been like, oh, but do they like the ice cream shop as much as I did? Do they want to go back? Do they want to try something new? But for me, I liked it. I love 
doing things again and again and again. I don't mind repetition. And that's what I did. I went back to the same ice cream shop like three times over my trip because I just wanted to eat more ice cream. I think traveling alone is definitely like, it was the biggest comfort zone barrier breaking for me because I was physically in a new location and I just didn't know my surroundings as well. That being said, of course, we all need to be safe and be vigilant and don't just like go reckless. But I think living life with a little bit of risk and putting yourself in that little bit of risk can make your make you so much stronger than you already are and also you realize you're so much more capable than you are. Anyways, when you okay, following my challenge to doing things alone, let me just say that whatever you choose to do alone must be present and intentional time. So it's not just being in your room and scrolling on TikTok but more so like planned activities. So one example that I'm thinking of doing alone, either this week or next week, is I want to go to this cat sanctuary that's in my city. And it's been open for the longest time. I just learned about it recently, but basically all these, it's an adoption center where cats live and there's like 400 cats or something like that. And they all live in this space and they just roam free and you can go and pay and pay them a visit. And I asked my friends if they want to go, but not none of them are really like that interested or as interested as I am. So why am I going to let that hold me back? I'll just go by myself. And then I'll get to do something fun and also spend some intentional time with myself, with cats, and just kind of spend time by myself. Also doing new things. I think that is super fun. I feel like Challenging yourself to do things alone helps you become more self-aware and know your values also as you start to spend more time by yourself reflecting and kind of looking through the world through your own perspective. You kind of get to learn more about how you see things and what you value. I have a little note to check out a page in the book, so let's look at that real quick. Oh, so these are the types of values that you can think about as you are spending time by yourself. Because as you spend time by yourself, you'll come up with different situations or you'll be faced with different decisions. And I feel like what you choose to do with your time, with your energy, really says a lot about what is important to you and what you value. So for example, with your time, you can choose for social media, for example. I like documenting my life for friends or social media is not my thing. I like to be in the here and now. For me, I definitely think that I, I think I'm like a mix of both. I do love documenting my life. I love taking pictures and videos and posting them on social media. Not as, not really for my friends though, I would say. I think it's definitely just more of like a memory scrapbook for me. Recently, I've been loving putting together Instagram stories that are really, really cute collages of fun memories that I have and posting them on Instagram because I can keep them there and I can look back on them. Sometimes, you know, when you print pictures out or you switch phones or whatever, you lose these memories, but I feel like on social media, you can always keep them because your account, you can log in with different devices. Anyways, Weekends and travel, do you want to see the world or when I have free time, I just want to relax? 
nothing wrong with either decision but I feel like as you spend more time by yourself you figure out what you like to do for me I have always been a very action-packed traveler I learned this when I was actually not on solo trip. I learned this when I was in Hawaii with my family because my family loves to just relax, stay in the hotel, do like one or two activities per day. But for me, I want a jam-packed itinerary. I want to start the morning eating breakfast somewhere and then do something before lunch and then have lunch and do something in the afternoon. I love that. And I also figured that out when I was on my solo trips because I loved doing things. I didn't really stay in my Airbnb unless it was nighttime and it was just so fun to walk around the street. Even if I wasn't like doing anything technically, I was just like walking around. It was still just fun being out and about. For date night, maybe is it a I like to stay home and cook or I love a night out on the town? I think that says a lot about who you are, what your energy levels are like, and what you're looking for. Punctuality, this is a big one, a big value of mine. Are you always late or are you always on time? For me, I try to be on time. I used to be much more of a stickler about it when I was younger, but recently I've been like, eh, life happens, things happen, and that's fine. But when I was younger, I was definitely like a person who always showed up five minutes early for things, which is crazy. Planning, do you keep a calendar and stick to your plans or do you not like to be locked into commitments? Knowing all of these values really helps to know yourself. So when you're faced with decisions, maybe your friends are going out and they're asking you to come, you really know, if you know your values really well, you know what you want to answer and you don't feel pressured to do things that you don't want to just to fit in. If you know your values and yourself really well, you don't have that external pressure that you need to fit in with the crowd. You can stay authentic to yourself. Hopefully you find people in your social circles that reflect your values or at least respect them so that you can act in accordance with your truest self and act how you want to. I'm going to go through a few more values that are in this book that I think are great habits so organization do you like to keep everything tidy have your bills paid right on time or do you wish you were more organized than you are exercise do you like to be active or do it for health or do you find yourself hard to motivate yourself for sleep are you trying to sleep in if possible or are you an early riser also social interaction with friends do you like to spend time with lots of people or do you prefer one-on-one time or to be alone with family do you see your family as often as you can or do you only see your family when you have to i think knowing these really helps to really helps in actually social relationships as well because you feel less built-up resentment i feel that a lot when I was in my most recent relationship. I felt like there was a lot of built-up resentment because we both had different values in terms of time spent together. For me, I was quite flexible. I enjoyed spending time with my partner and I didn't mind spending time with him. I did like alone time as well, but my previous partner really, really enjoyed his alone time and he felt that he didn't want to hang out with me as much as I did. Let's just say it like that. 
without that communication and that clear communication of your values and your boundaries, there can be a lot of built up and internal resentment because you feel like, oh, like I just want to hang out by myself, but my partner wants to hang out all the time. Communicate, make sure it's clear. Make sure you also have someone who respects your values. So you can have different values and you don't have to have the exact same ones as your partner, but as long as your partner respects your values and what you need and is genuine about that, then your relationship can work. Spending time alone also helps you to become more confident. I cannot tell you how much more confident I feel compared to when I was 20 or 21 because I feel so okay with doing things by myself and I also feel like I don't really care if people judge me. When I was younger, 20, 21, 19, stuff like that, I was always so scared of what people would say about me that, you know, for example, I had to practice what I was going to order from the Starbucks barista because I didn't want them to judge me if I messed up. But now I honestly don't really care. I know my order and if I mess up, then that's fine. I'll laugh at myself about that too. I feel like when you're okay with spending time alone, you are less afraid of what people will say about you or think about you because it's not really your concern. You spend time alone and you are more confident and feel okay being by yourself because you don't feel like you have to succumb to conforming yourself to be with the group. A lot of times, and I think this is really apparent in high school, we want to fit in with everyone else. And so we will conform our wants and our values and what we like to fit in with the popular group or whoever you want to fit in with. But when you become okay with being alone, you realize, you know what? Being alone is better than being disingenuous and being fake. I would rather be authentic and alone than with a bunch of people who don't actually know the real me. And that is because I am okay with being alone now and I enjoy it. That I'm not scared to not have people around me because I'm not scared of that. I want to share another quote from the book that I just absolutely loved. Solitude helps you recognize that there is a you before, a you during, and a you after every relationship forging your own way even when you have company and love. And that's why I think time apart and time alone is just so important because you really get to know yourself without the influences of the people around you, kind of like what I talked about earlier. Also, it has really helped me get through my breakup, of course, knowing that I survived before and I was a person before and I can do that now as well after our relationship. Another quote that I really, really liked. We've been trained to look for our better half or someone to complete us. Does that make us the worst half? Does it mean we're incomplete without a partner? And that is so thought-provoking for me because I've never even thought about that sentence before the better half complete us i you know those are things that we just talk about on social media in movies and in content but we don't realize how much of an effect that's actually having on us and how we act because i always kind of thought that the relationship was 
there to fill my life and complete it. But now I realize after going through my second breakup that my relationship adds to my life and that I have a life before my relationship and I want to keep maintaining that. That's actually something I journaled about this morning is that I want to maintain my life and still keep my friends, keep my hobbies, and not just give that all up just because I'm in another relationship. That's what I'm trying to remind myself next time. I know I feel like I talk about it like when I'm single I'm like yeah 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 I know this but to actually be active and proactive about that when you're in a relationship I think is so super important. Anyways that's all I'm going to talk about for being alone. I feel like that is it is just so important and I have learned so much from about myself from being alone and doing things by myself and I'm still going through this journey as I said I'm gonna go to the cat sanctuary next week or maybe tomorrow probably not tomorrow probably next week and I'm so excited for that just to start doing things alone again I think I'm gonna go back to pottery and make another little pottery piece and just enjoy my own presence Let's do a little catch up, which is our rosebud and thorn. I actually do have a little bit to catch you guys up on, which I am super excited to talk about. My thorn of the week, I'll start with that because work has just been crazy this week. Not just like actual workload and schedule wise, but there was just a lot of drama. And that's like the one thing I don't like is having to deal with adults because they are sometimes a little bit crazy and rude at times. I feel like I've just encountered a lot of rude people recently and it has not been going well because I just, who wants to deal with rude people? My bud is, oh my God, I'm so excited. So tonight I have plans with my friends. We are gonna go eat hot pot tonight, which I'm so excited for. I haven't eaten hot pot in so long. And then we're going to go to Fright Night, which if you don't know what that is, I've actually never been before. This is my first time ever going, so I'm super excited. But basically, we have an amusement park here in Vancouver called Playland. And in the summer, it's open. You can ride the roller coasters and stuff like that. But in the month of October, Playland becomes Fright Nights, which basically it's like roller coasters and stuff. You know, that stuff is still there, but they also have haunted houses. And I'm so excited to just be like scared out of my mind. I don't know why I'm looking forward to it, but I'm just so excited for that. Like I'm excited for the rides, but mostly I'm excited for the haunted houses. I'm scared to get spooked, I guess. I'll let you know how it goes because I feel like it'll be really scary. Super excited for that tonight and I actually have to go soon because we're eating dinner at like 5 p.m. and it's so early. Then my rose. Let me think about my rose. Mm. My rose is that I feel very, very positive and hopeful and optimistic about the future and I'm very excited. And so let me talk about that. So this week I have made a conclusion. I have made a decision, which I'm really excited about. So last week I had a therapy session and I was talking with my counselor about basically what I want to do with my life, which I feel like every person in their 20s is trying to figure out all the time. And... I was telling him that like, you know, I just have so much stuff that I feel like I'd be interested in and, you know, before I started my current job, which is working in the supply chain, I didn't even know that I would enjoy it. I thought I would hate it. But now that I've enjoyed it, it gets me thinking like, what if there are a ton of other jobs that are in a ton of different fields that I feel like I would love as well? 
So I have been toying with the idea of going back to school. I don't know if I want to because I feel like I just came out of that academic validation stage of my life and I feel like I'm just figuring out who I am without academia like ruling over my life. So that's why I'm kind of hesitant to go back to school. I definitely want to I think back at one back in like some point because I love school and I love learning but not right now. But anyways I am gonna go back to school not full-time. I'm gonna start taking one or two courses in January because this summer I don't know why I applied, but I applied for fun to the UBC Early Childhood Education Program because, you know, I love education and I love working with kids and I'm more so interested in early childhood education because I've always been interested in the pedagogical aspect of it. Like, how can we prepare children to be the best student that they can be, whether that be in their personal lives, in their social interactions, in their actual schooling, like at Montessori or preschool or wherever. How can we help children and all the different circumstances that they go through? I feel like early childhood education is like the perfect point where you get to focus on that while also focusing on teaching. So I applied for that program and I did get in, but I didn't register for anything in September because I was like, "Eh, I don't really wanna do it. Like I really wasn't sure the time and I didn't want to commit to doing something that I was kind of iffy about but now that I have been thinking about it again and I've kind of been thinking about it because I'm like what do I want to do in the next year like do I want to get a new job do I want to change up my life what do I what am I looking forward to I realized that pedagogy and curriculum development is still something that I am very very interested in and I mean now that I've worked with adults I feel like it just brings me back to how can we help them better develop when they are children so that they don't become adults who are rude to people 24-7. It all starts when you're young, right? So I've decided that I am going to take one or two courses in the early childhood education program. I'm basically just going back as a student part-time and I'm so super excited about that because the courses in the early childhood education program are like my jam, like exactly. So the two courses I'm planning to take, one of them I'm on a waitlist for and one of them I'm registered in. The one I'm on a waitlist for is like intro to early childhood education. So the methods, the scientific methods that we use, just like what the field is, stuff like that. I'm super excited for that. But the second one that I'm much more interested in is, um, I forget what it's called. Hold on, let me pull it up because I don't want to say it wrong. It's called Typical and Atypical Development in Infants and Children. And so let me just read the description because like I'm so excited. It's a review of typical development and primary focus on issues of atypical development in infants and young children, including fetal alcohol syndrome, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, autism, and vision and or hearing impairments. It identifies and applies theories of child development to both typical and atypical infants and toddlers, acquire a working knowledge of infant development across all developmental domains, cognitive, motor, social, emotional, communication, adaptive. And the outline is just so interesting. We get to talk about genetic and environmental foundations of development, prenatal development, newborn and medically compromised births, cognition, extremes in cognitive development, emotional and social development. Like this stuff, and I was looking through the other courses, these are the just two the two beginner courses in the program, but the other courses as well, like this is exactly what I want to study. My dream was always to open up a daycare of sorts that 
kind of focuses and what's the word caters specifically towards infants and young children with these different like atypical developments because I feel like there is just not enough resources and information and support in these domains in the public education system which is very very unfortunate so I'm really excited to take those courses and I guess like I'm really excited to go back to school and I never thought I would say that again actually no I will say I love school I've always loved school but I love school when I have a purpose for third year and fourth year when I was taking more courses in my major and my minor I loved school so much more and my grades were so much higher because I genuinely loved studying and what I was doing when I was in first year just like trying to figure out what I wanted to do I hated school and I wanted to drop out because I was like this is pointless like this stuff is not even applicable it's not even stuff I want to do but I just I hope that taking these courses kind of like opens me up to different pathways that I can take because I'm just at the beginning of my career. I'm figuring out my life and figuring out what I want to do. And I know there's so many options and I'm just really excited to learn more. I feel like I've learned a lot like social wise through having a full-time job, like how to interact with adults, how to interact in the business world and everything like that. But now I kind of want to start learning more about like what field do I actually want to work in in the future and I do think education has always been what I've loved grow like not growing up but my first jobs everything that I've done before my current job has all been like kids related or education related and it's just my jam it's so fulfilling and it is so heartwarming to me and I love it and I do want to continue down that path and see where it goes with this early childhood education. And obviously I'm only taking two courses, so it's not like I'm going in this full time already. If I do love it, then I will think about it and maybe consider going back to school full time. But I also am totally fine with going part time because it just gives me more time to live my life and do what I like, but also do these courses on the side. And even if it's just so that I can learn and develop more knowledge and skills, like that is fine too. Anyways, that's my life update. I am excited and happy and having a good time. So I hope you have a good week and I will see you in my next episode. Bye.